fifth or sixth generation yeah. of no Māori um, being present in their households yeah. at all. It was this real fight for Māori tanga, which is what I love, but in the realities of a people group who are under 25, yeah. um, that are largely disconnected from their marae and 80% can't speak to their Māori, um, mm. how does all of that learning make sense for them yeah. is just a big question I had in my head. And, and maybe one of the spaces I would like to, to go on to learn more about yeah. and maybe contribute long term. Yeah, kapoa. Kia ora. And I think with that, that concept of what does it look like to think of theology from a Māori perspective, it can be really difficult to do without the real. Yeah. Oh. You know, it, it's so easy to speak about Māori concepts, yet all in te reo Pākehā. Yeah. Mauri ora ki te whānau, no mai hoke mai ki te punua pahuahui a come home. It is so grand to have you along again this week. Uh, this week, I sit down with a couple of bros, a couple of mates, uh, Te Karere Scarborough and Neihana Reihana, and we chat about our hiding around the motu over the last couple of weeks. We've been in some pretty cool events. And so, without further ado, here's a very quick and simple conversation with the bros talking about their travels. Choice. Tēnā kōrua, nā mihi nu nui ki a kōrua, uh, tino pai rau e ki te noho tahi, uh, ki, te, ki te kōrero tahi, uh, ki a kōrua. Uh, it's jolly nice to have te kārere Fitzial Scarborough and Neihana Reihana uh, join us with the Huya Come Home podcast. <laughs> We're in a very echoey room in Tamaki Makoto <coughs> in Green Lane at the Parenting Place. And we're just going to sit down and talk some smack because we've been on a few adventures lately, haven't we, boys? Yeah. All right? Hi. But first, before we get into talking about our adventures, Kōwai Kōrua, like, introduce yourselves. Kōwai Kōrua, David Scarborough, Tōku Ingoa. First time pull a long time. <laughs> 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 I love to probably get that out. Um, it's the whole talk you ma ma. He udia ho no te no te Yeah. Oh, my fucking my fucking Ah, co. Itetaha toku mama, toku papa. No mama, toku papa. No nui, no reira, no it's jolly awesome to have you guys here. So um, we are we are brothers that have been travelling the land doing a whole bunch of I just wanted to drop a nasty word there, but I won't. Uh, travelling the land this this year, doing a bunch of stuff. Um, that's a jolly nice um, tongue around your neck, Te Kaurere. Um Where'd you get that from? 
Um, I recently uh, have left Parenting Place, what? a place that I have worked for over 14 years. 14 years. Um, pretty much it took me in after high school. Uh, and uh, and I figured out that if you want to get a piece by Rangikipa, uh, <laughs> made out of whale bone, uh, and you can't afford yeah. it, you just work somewhere for, for 14 years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bro. So, yeah, we got a long way to go, man. Yeah, long okay. way to go. Um, bro, about, about that, we should do a podcast on your journey of Pernod Place, but can you intro the story of your... Um, when you showed up for your interview 14 years ago at the parenting place, and what was the manner in which you showed up at the parenting place? Um, Tell us that story. Imagine a mix of Māori tanga, a wannabe 50 cent, uh, who had just been converted to Christianity, and that (laughs) is a good description of who I was when I turned up as a 19-year-old. You know, I I suppose I fit the demographic of of an urban Māori, uh, and I had just come into contact with the person of Jesus and uh, and the whole bunch of his followers. <laughs> um, and and I, I actually remember my first interview. Um, it got turned into a joke, and it was quite funny when I think about it. But I remember asking if some of my whānau could join, and my CEO at the time said, "Hold on, you want your mum holding your hand in the interview?" And we, we, we laughed about it, but I think in reflection, it was a real worldview miss there around right. um, who you come with as you step into different spaces. Mm. Uh, and thus started my journey in a, uh, an amazing, beautiful, but Christian Pākehā organisation. In my journey of figuring out what it means to serve Te Atua and to be oh. a part of a whakapono context um, with with all of the culture that goes alongside that. Oh man, me at all. Let me put it this way. <laughs> when I first started, one of the questions I would ask to all future employees is what was their commitment to Te Tiriti Waitangi and the principles within that. Um, and you know, I was seen as a bit of a, a, a bit of a, an activist or on the edge there. Um, and I did you did you ask that question fourteen 100%. years ago? What was the answer? Uh, pick pick uh, one of uh, your favourite uh, uh, responses. Well, um, one of my favourite responses now, but not at the time. It really made me. Angry. <laughs> uh, I mean, for, for context sake, my mum was was travelling the world talking about. Um, indigenous perspectives on the social service sector, social right. work. My father led a drug and alcohol rehab team right. uh, from a Māori perspective and were really breaking ground. That's the context that I came from. And so when I came into a context where those concepts were very foreign, I remember asking that question to a guy called Dave Atkinson. Aki! And he Jordan was... Aki. I mean, he was an amazing, <laughs> confident, <laughs> North Shore... Pākehā kind of fella. Um, Primal leader. Primal leader. And I think he said something like, oh, you know, bro, I just make sure that I bring extra food to... to (laughs) (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Yes, Dave. Uh, And that went down like a cup of cold sick. Uh, For my, you know, where I was coming from. That was his, 14 years ago, that was his commitment to to the Treaty of Waitangi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I'll be honest, it's probably further than, than a lot of people of their commitments to Te Watangi today. Probably, probably, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he was part of his Kapahaka group. In oh. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. Oh, no way. Okay. Nehana, how did you get involved with uh, Parenting Place and this, you know, around here? Um, while I was teaching last year in 2018 at Auckland Grammar, uh, I remember being at church one Sunday and this fellow named Greg Fleming was the guest speaker. And uh, it just so happened... Is his real name Gregory? <laughs> Does anyone know? I don't know. Is it? I call it's him Greggy Boy. Greggy Boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why I asked that, but anyway. And it just so happened that I was the MC. That whole year, I was put on to MC to introduce Greg. Greggy Boy Fleming. And he got up at church and he shared this amazing um, testimony of the work that Parenting Place had been doing through the Haidinga. Uh, so they had been three years deep in the Haidinga and he spoke beautifully about it. But if <clears throat> there was one connection that was significant in that church service, it was the connection between him and I, because it was the first time I had ever felt comfortable to reply in the presence of the congregation, Pākehā predominantly, in Te Reo Māori to Greg. Right. And so straight after, Greg did the Greg effect. <laughs> and he said to me, we need a chat, we need to have coffee. I've, I'm oh, running this cool project at the moment, and I think you'd be great. <laughs> Little did I know, he was thinking about Oati back right. then. And so a few coffees, um, I ended up meeting Te Karere and Te Waka. We had a hui, it became more and more serious. Um, until, yeah, Te Karere had asked, this is our project. This is Oati, this is what we're trying to do. Are you interested? Prayed about it, and I ended up jumping into Oati. And it's been a jolly, amazing time. So we don't, I don't want to talk about Oati here, but just so you know, Oati is an organisation, a new trust that the three of us and two other friends work, uh, work for, work with, work as, all of the above. Um, we've been to some awesome mahi this year, but... Um, for now, uh, let's just concentrate on two things. Um, the three of us have been in Otako. Uh, we have been in Waitangi. Um, where else have we been? Otako, uh, Taranaki. Oh, aye, Taranaki. Putaki o Tiriri. Okay, so, okay, three... Oh, you were in it, Putaki, bro. Um, to cut it out, but um, to Putaki o Tiriri, uh, the Māori Theological Symposium at Otago University... And we've just had three days together uh, uh, with Ngāti Rahari and Ngāti Kawa at Waitangi Titi or Waitangi Marae with the Parenting Place staff retreat. So let's very quickly, Nehana, give me your rundown on what were your highlights of Putaki o Tiriri? Putaki o Tiriri. Which is the uh, commemorations of the New Zealand land wars. The second one was commemorated this year at Taranaki. Bro, what was your highlights? I think what uh, Marae have turned into as of late is that it's become a place where we only go for tangi. This time, it wasn't a tangi. It was a no. celebration of our history and our stories of Taranaki. I think something that I took away from Te Putaki o Te Riri, Māori being Māori, because they have this autonomy over this kaupapa and it shifts to different iwi after iwi, when it shifts over to Tainui, no doubt when Tainui share their stories, their kōrero, mm. they will go one up from right. Taranaki. <laughs> and when we keep in context that 
the government are trying to um, turn New Zealand history into a subject that's compulsory, it means that iwi get to share their stories on their terms right. by their speakers. Right. And that's a healthy competition. Yep. So when Tainu okay, takes this, no doubt, they'll take it another step Ooh. further. What was your... Um, if What was one story... Uh, that you took away from it? Man, I think out of all of them would probably be the corridor behind one of the whare, whare kai there, Tamawahine. Oh. And it comes from that whakatauki, e tu Tamawahine, te wao, te kore. And so when the Tane and Taranaki had went to fight, it was the wahine who carried the mahi of the marae. Oh. The whai korero, the waiata, the karanga, all of those duties. And in the 21st century, it begs to ask the question, if they could do it then, why shouldn't they be able to do it now? Right, right. Because they have the whakapapa still there. Right. You talk about when, uh, for Taranaki, when the woman stood there all those years ago because their men went away, their men went to Otako, mm. went down to Dunedin. So I segue that corridor into this Māori Theological Symposium that the three of us have just been to. Hey, oh, see, what, see, I, what, you see did. what I did there? Oh. Uh, kapai o whakapapa honga ma Well done. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about this um, Māori Theological Symposium that we've been to. How did you find it, TK? Oh, it was... I don't come from an academic background, and so I wasn't intimidated, but I was unsure around how I would go here in some of the corridor. But yeah. um, I think that's one of the things I appreciate about being Māori is that ideas aren't just ideas. They're um, connected to the spiritual and to the mental and always connected to the ground and the yeah. people. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it isn't too often that you get a Māori academic standing and not having it uh, as relatable um, and grounded in, in their own Māori tanga, which, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I think it's interesting seeing the different perspectives in that room, and uh, you, know, you can articulate those in, in lots of different ways. Um, but you know, orthodoxy versus whether it's syncretism or, right. um, or, or people drifting, you know, that tension's in the room around how far you can push the boat out. Um, you've got Māori who are grounded in their own iwi, uh, speaking out of those perspectives. And you've got Māori who, for a long, long time in there, lots of the speakers uh, have been looking for natural expressions of their own faith that, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that yeah. come back to yeah. their own mona as yeah. an example, right. Um, right. as a poe for how they make sense of the world. Right. And so I, I appreciated all of that stuff going on, but, um, you know... Some of that corridor and, and, and other contexts or conferences uh, might not go down so well. So uh, yeah, it felt felt like a safe place to explore some of those things. Mm. What about you, bro? Oh man, so many speakers, so many topics. Uh, <clears throat> I th- I think for the for the first time I heard academics quote people that I personally knew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you? <laughs> and Jay Luca says, da 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 But wait, <laughs> For, who was the first? Rita Rita Yes, tēnā koe Rita Ne. And koe tukai kōrero tuatahi? 
who was our first picker? Oh, Simon Moitara. He was awesome. Yeah. Simon, when yeah. Simon opened um, and he shared his corridor through his study, um, he quoted Jay and Ritane, <laughs> who are both, who are both personal <laughs> friends. And I was just so proud of him. I was like, I know them. They're sitting in this room right here. Um, Man, honestly, bro, I just wanted to crawl under yeah. the table. Eh? <laughs> Meanwhile, I could see them trying to hide under the table. Oh man! Did but, you re- did you request that he he put in your quote, Jay? Because were you were you? I'm joking. Yeah. Were, were you referencing that that isn't the quote you wanted to go? That there was another one that you had emailed. No, no, no. Oh, bro. But in all seriousness, <laughs> what that showed me is that those people in the room and the people he, he was speaking about were pioneering something that had not existed yet. And it was, it was start, starting something new in indigenous thinking around theology, which is stuff that I'm interested in. And I just became immensely proud and inspired to pick up study eventually and contribute something. So Simon talked about hara. He talked about sin, and uh, he was trying to talk about a Maori understanding of hara and sin. And he talked about how the West has—I'm pretty sure I'm getting these terms right—centripetal, is it? Mm-hmm. And centrif- so centripetal was spinning in, mm-hmm. and centrifugal was uh, spinning out. What did you think of that concept? What did you guys think of that concept? The thing I liked about his articulation of the way that we um, understand a concept like sin is like I'm a natural collectivist. You know, I, I can't help right. it. It just it just comes out of me. <laughs> um, you know, the example is you know we're walking to the shop with the boys. Your five dollars is all of our five dollars. You know, and so we get two one dollar uh, loaves of your bread. Your whale and, carving is yeah, all of our whale about, carving, bro. Um, and so what I liked about it is when he articulated engaging a concept like hara or sin or our understanding of wrongdoing it wasn't just so inward focused it actually it, it talked about the motivation for change or for a reconciliation or redemption um, in the context of a collective and and that being more of a motivation for Maori right. than just an individual right and and when he said that it's almost like he said something I'd been waiting my whole life in church to hear, but I'd never heard before. Right. And that was the, not the throwing out of an individual place within a faith context, yeah. but the yeah. broadening yeah. of what it means to be, uh, I would just say whānau, but, you know, right. part, yeah, of the, yeah. um, part of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of that? I didn't spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about it, eh, bro, to be honest. You what? Still processing it. Right, yeah, yeah. I... I I reckon it's so healthy and so helpful when he, you know, talks about how we just frame a gospel that's that when it, when it talks about the concept of sin, you as an individual need to get your right with God. Therefore, the message of Christ is only about the individual need. Whereas, what he was talking about with Hara, with his concept of sin, was that. That the nature of that process affects community, affects whānau, affects social. So any gospel challenge towards 
that ish towards sin is not just about you know you need to get your life right or whatever it is it's like yes you do need to get your life right because it's hurting your family it's hurting your community I really like that <laughs> okay who else did you like the Cameron fella Graham <clears throat> Cameron Oosh, he was my highlight too Moana theology okay what does that mean were you, were you about to list off a bunch of themes yeah okay Moana theology what else there was Moana theology there was Pai Marire Pai Marire that he spoke about those were the two major themes that he that I remember him speaking about um, Pai Marire and how it transformed hapu and iwi from within right was super inspiring it's a I don't think there's been a lot of resources that have been created to help right. iwi inform them about Paimaridi. I grew up with Paimaridi Karakia and Tainui, yet I had no idea what the significance yeah, of it okay. was. And so I think his academic writings will be useful in this space. Um, what is Moana theology? I cannot remember. <laughs> <laughs> can you remember what Moana theology was? Oh, I can give it, give it a step. So yeah. Moana theology was a reference to a way of engaging the world. Um, but his jump-off point was a way of engaging uh, the Bible, actually. So right. using it as a hermeneutical tool right. to understand or make sense of, of the gospel. Uh, the thing I loved about what he, he was sharing was a lot of the metaphors and, and, and way that the Bible uh, explains or communicates ideas is through um, images of flourishing, which is in contrast. Uh, the garden is in contrast to where they lived in the desert. Um, but he can't challenge the idea that those metaphors don't exactly exist for us um, because for us a larger environmental factor uh, mm. was actually the ocean. Right. And so um, yeah. you know, rather than having a, a fixed position uh, around, not truth, but a fixed position or idea on, on, on where we're going all of the time, our tūpuna had to adjust on the fly uh, in right. this very rapidly changing environment and right. how that way of seeing the world and that flexibility uh, is deeply embedded in the way that we learn and the way that we make sense of new truth mm. and, um, and, and that flexibility uh, you know, coined as uh, Moana theology is another helpful lens to engage how we might incorporate the gospel right. into our lives. True. What did you guys think of what he talked about uh, when he talked about conversion? Can you remember what he talked about then? Pause for dramatic effect. I remember once again coming back to the, the, the collectivist idea, um, but the idea that conversion doesn't always have to be on an individual level. Right. Um, and that you know, as the gospel swept throughout communities, it swept throughout communities, and so people corporately engaged with a faith through liturgies and rituals and incorporating this new truth into their existing community contexts. Yeah. Once again, like I just, it just, it just made sense. It just, it made sense because that makes mm. sense on the marae. Yeah. That makes sense 
uh, at a hapu level, and that makes sense for me and my whānau. Yeah. Mm. I love, like he, he talked about three, there's three types of conversion. I can't remember the names. I remember the first name, and that was a pendulum type where, yeah. you know, you, one goes from one side and you completely change to the other. And what I love about that, what he was saying about that, is that in the West, when we think of conversion, that's, that's the only model we've got is from, you know, you're living one way and you completely change to be something else. And I think that's what even Māori understand when it comes to Christianity. You convert from being Māori to being a Christian, which means not being Māori. And what he was saying is that that type of conversion in Scripture, while it is there, is much less than how the other two types are. One was... Anyway, but, but the other two, basically what he was saying around that is that the conversion that the Gospels talk about was when Paul converted or when, you know, the disciples themselves, they didn't stop. They were Jews and they didn't stop being Jews. Mm. They were still Jewish, but they brought the teachings of Christ into their Jewish lifestyles and their Jewish ways. And he was saying that's what Māori did back in the 1830s, um, is that Māori brought... Christ into their world, mm-hmm. and 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 so that Maori didn't stop being Maori, and so I really loved what he had to say about that. that was <clears throat> what what cracked me up about one of his examples around the ongoing evolution of uh, of framing faith in the gospel within a Maori context was how they would still eat pickled heads up to the eighteen eighties, <laughs> <laughs> and some of the parking the missionaries are like, you can't keep doing that. <laughs> you can't keep busting out these pickled heads, uh, which is. <laughs> I'll have the salt and vinegar one, please. <laughs> oh dear. Um, okay, what we had two days listening to some um, amazing people sharing their study. Um, what did that make you feel or think about your own theological journey? <laughs> it hasn't started yet. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know nothing. <laughs> One of the things for me that was really clear is a lot of the corridor was how do we understand the gospel from a Maori perspective and make it make sense for us? And I love that. But in my head, I kept on asking the question who, who or what is Maori? You know, the mm. spectrum for identifying as Māori is so wide. What I didn't see in that space, and I don't see in a lot of these spaces, was the application of these new truths to not just marae Māori who were brought up at home, but um, Māori who mm. aren't connected at all to Māori. Right. Māori who are connected, but to urban authorities and all contexts. Māori who are growing up with the reo and they need to carry their entire family. Uh, Māori where you know, they're into the fifth or sixth generation yeah. of no Māori um, being present in their households yeah. at all. It was this real fight for Māori tanga, which is what I love, but in the realities of a people group who are under 25, yeah. 
um, that are largely disconnected from their marae and 80% can't speak to their Māori, um, mm. how does all of that learning make sense for them yeah. is just a big question I had in my head. And, and maybe one of the spaces I would like to, to go on to learn more about yeah. and maybe contribute long term. Yeah, kapoi. Kia ora. And I, I think with that, that concept of what does it look like to think of theology from a Māori perspective, it can be really difficult to do without the real. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's so easy to speak about Māori concepts, yet all in Te Reo Pākehā. Yeah. Like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it does just show we, we've got a long way to go, even in our yeah. theological institutes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's a space yeah. I could, a few of us could, speak into in the future. I remember, um, it must have been about five years ago, but I remember Matsu and Rangi Nicholson saying to me, uh, there'd been, I forget if the number was 21, 22 or 23, but there'd, there'd only been a limited amount of theological doctors in the history of Māoridom. So after 200 years of missions history, you know, there's only, you know, yes, let's just say 23 really? Māori theological doctors that have actually, which is hardly anything in this grand scheme of things. I was going far out, wow. And that was one of my, my takeaways as well, bro, was actually if we actually truly want to do the, the searching of the scriptures and the, and the whenua uh, and what that means from an atsuatanga perspective you know, uh, in Christianity, then it has to be done in the real. <laughs> you know, i te reo Māori and... Um, so I came away with, yes, I'm going, I'm, you know, as a, you know, akoi te reo Māori, as someone who's learning te reo Māori, mm. I, I came away going, yes, this is, we're going to, I'm going to do this in my lifetime, you know. I'm going to be a part of a group in some stage that we can kōrero, um, uh, na mā tauranga o te, uh, o te atua, you know, hōho nuru, you know, um, the deep things of God, you know, in, in te reo Māori. And, you know, I made a decision when I was 40 that by the time I was 50, I wanted to be able to, you know, kōrero te reo Māori and then, and then have a decade of practising it and then, you know, come into my, into the, the latter phase of my <coughs> life Believing we can have a whole generation of young Māori, we can, man, we can just, you know, drop the deep concepts, the theological concepts of all theological thought, you know, that is that we know of in the world, but be able to articulate that, you know, in in, in the real, that'd be amazing. So I came away from that symposium going, yep, this has to be done. Mm. Do you think? We have a raft of upcoming Māori theological thinkers who will be able to engage, say, in a context like Panikiritanga about these topics. Are, are like, do they exist? Are they coming up? Um, or do you think, like, like, well, my assumption is there's a lot of people who, who could step into those spaces, but 
uh, it can be difficult being Māori and being Christian and being under 40, for example. Yeah, I, I would say to that, there's the tension between us recognising something that's Christian, or people recognising something that's Christian, and then people actually recognising something that which is pono, <laughs> that which is tika, that which is aroha, and from my whakaro, from a theological perspective, where you find truth, where you find love, where you, where you find righteousness, there you find Christ. Mm. So um, I, I think it's having the eyes to be able to see that within those contexts already, the presence of God, but people might not actually understand that to be that case. And I, and I, and I, I think what is, what is good news is that you discover that God has already done something for you now that when you weren't searching, when you weren't seeking, when you were yet lost, God did something for you. In other words, God is there. So I think for us as Māori, it is also helping to unravel that which is, don't take this out of context, that which is Christian versus that, in other words, that which is Christian culture versus that which there is actually truth, love, and righteousness already present. Kind of a, not a complete answer, but part of an answer to what you're saying. Right? Mm. Um, look, let's wrap this up. Um, let's just shift tangent here. We've just had an epic uh, three days with uh, Natikawa, Natirahiri, um, Kei Waitangi. Um, uh, how was that for you fellas? How's the journey with Waitangi? Man, I... <clears throat> this is the second time I've been on my Waitangi haerenga with Parenting Place, and it, it's life-giving. Yeah. I think it's life-giving yeah. because you feel rested, but you see the power of community does to Māori and non-Pākehā. Uh, Non-Pākehā, Pākehā that work at Parenting Place. I had one wahine come up to me uh, yesterday, and she said to me, Nehana, just so you know, on my, on my trip back from Waitangi, speaking to all the wahine in my car. This time, two years ago, I was trying to figure out an exit strategy for my marriage. Whoa. And um, she said, when I was in the car coming back to Auckland, I had this time to reflect, where was I two years ago? Wow. And she said, but the healing journey through the Haerenga and going to Waitangi this year has helped me to see how far my own marriage has come. But she was even saying, he wahine. Oh. She was just saying the power of community with a number of Christ followers, it was life-giving, it felt restful, and it allowed me to pause. And um, I said, how's your marriage now? That's awesome. And she goes, my marriage is not like it used to. And it's much better, and I'm not trying to figure out an exit strategy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, I, look, I, I want to say, in the last 10 years, I have seen that so many times when people learn about the bicultural story, and particularly the Treaty of Waitangi, it, it does something in people's actual physical relationships. brings healing. That's a great story, bro. Mm-hmm. How about you, bro? I mean, lots of emotions, because it was a bit of a fe- oh, yeah. farewell tour. True, um, for, true. For my 14 years. Um, Bishop Kittle said something, uh, and he said it at the first church. 
Coronarica. Which is called Christchurch, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he said, when I have my eyes open, you guys look like a Christian organization. But when I close my eyes, you guys feel like a Maori organization. Yeah. Um, and I was actually gutted he said that because I've been trying to make sure that Greg knows there's a long way to go <laughs> before, before Greg plays yeah, into the third space. Yeah. Um, but what nice. I loved about that was um, there aren't too many parking <laughs> contexts where um, you can sit in a place and you don't have to completely reach over the halfway mark yeah, right. in order to be heard, understood, felt, or, or, or be in relationship. Yeah. And, and that's a very thin space yeah. up in Waitangi. Yeah. And for Parenting Place, it seems like a wonderful space where um, yeah, the hearts and minds of people can, can meet with one another in light of the story, not in, in just in spite of it. Yeah, okay. Casting a story out yeah. around biculturalism and belonging. And, and, uh, and that, was, yeah, that, was really, that was really meaningful. Mm. Mate, one of my highlights was when Matsua Hama told us to take those tree, those um, bushes out. Oh, <laughs> I was doing another job and hey. you whistle over to me, bro, bro, get your truck, let's get these trees let's out. Let's chain it up. <laughs> so we're, how, how many trees did we pull out? Oh, I think it was like seven. Yeah. In front seven of the Whatikai. And, you know, Takata is wrapping a, this chain around this tree and tying it to my truck. And I'm, anyway, we're ripping this out. And then, um, you know, we get this garden looking really, really nice. And then the next day, was one of the fires said, "Oh, you know, Prince Charles planted those trees." Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Rip out the roots yeah, of colonisation. The fire was the one who told us to take it out. Of course. <laughs> I thought that was awesome, eh? That's how you decolonise. Oh, that is. That so. Awesome man. Oh well, Kordua, uh, it's been good to chat. We will do this many more times in the future, so uh, 